Hello, Danny. Thank you for joining me today and talking to us about your experiences with dyslexia. Um, so when did you first know that you had dyslexia? Oh, man. Um, obviously, growing up, and I'm an early 80s baby um, and everything. So growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, in a um, very strong, low-income Latino neighborhood, dyslexia was never heard of. You know, um, it, it wasn't something that we were tested for or anything. Um, the elementary school I went to um, didn't really know anything about it. So I remember going to school, kicking and screaming that I never wanted to go um, and really crying because I just felt like I'm, I'm not safe there. You know, I, I'm really struggling. Um, my teachers didn't understand why I was struggling to read or comprehend math problems. I was behind and they even ended up putting me in um, chapter one classes back then, which were called chapter one. Now it's called IEPs and everything. Um, and they just thought that I was developmentally slow, mm -hmm. um, but didn't think to check for this. And I continued to struggle until I was in high school and had an English teacher um, just really notice that, like, I did not want to read any stories, but I was always interested in them. And I was very interested in history as well. But I liked the verbal thing. So anytime a video was playing, I was very engrossed in it and would ask a lot of questions. But when they would give me recommended reading, they would just see me pull away and say, like, I, I, I'm not interested in this anymore. You know, like, this is dumb, you know. Um, so they're the ones that were actually like, can we test you and, and, and check your reading? And for me, it was like, does this mean I'm dumb? You know, like, does this mean that I'm broken and that something's wrong with me? And, and they just kept telling me, like, no, 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 like, we just want to try some stuff with you and get you tested and find out what's going on. And I even remember the high school I went to didn't even have, like, anyone there to do testing. Like, it was just so low income. And, and where I grew up was just really, we didn't have services at all for anything. Um, so I remember them sending me to the district office uh, to get tested. And I remember after getting tested, someone sitting down with me and saying, like, you know, let's try um, looking at these words with different color backgrounds. Let's try you reading out loud with the words bigger um, and let's follow with a ruler, you know, and have you finger point, you know, um, and, and let's have you sound out the words and every time I would switch my words around where I could see the sentence and I know what the sentence wants to say but everything just kept getting flipped that's when they were like you're dyslexic <laughs> like this doesn't mean that you're broken or anything's wrong with you your your brain is just processing things differently and we need to rewire your brain to process what you're reading and what you're saying in the correct way, you know? And, and I, and at first I thought like, so does that mean like, I, I, I have a brain tumor, like, like what's going on here? Cause again, low income, like, you know, neighborhood, you don't know. And they were like, no, no, no. And, and the way they explained it to me was think about a battery. You know, if you put in a battery, the plus sign goes with the plus sign, the negative sign goes with the negative sign. 
ev everything works for the current works so that way whatever it is you're trying to turn on will turn on correct i'm like right they go well what happened was was that instead of putting plus sign with plus sign negative sign with negative sign someone put it in backwards plus with negative and negative with plus so now when you're trying to flip on that light nothing's happening and that's what's going on with your brain and i was like oh that makes sense, you know? <laughs> That's a very interesting way of explaining it, you know, in a simplistic way that people can understand. I, I'm going to have to remember that. <laughs> yeah, and, and it really clicked for me. And that's where I really started working towards, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm I want to start reading more, like now that I know what to do, mm -hmm. and I'm learning different techniques. And, and even today, I still use the basic, you know, roller <laughs> finger pointing and everything. So um, were your, did your parents speak English? My parents did speak English, but my parents were very young parents. My mom had me when she was 16. My dad was 17. They didn't have a lot of life experience. Um, you know, going to the doctors was more of like, we're, you're going just for your vaccines because we know you're supposed to get that. But anything else, they didn't know about. And even when um, I needed therapy, you know, to, to handle a lot of this stuff, they viewed it as I was broken and they did something wrong as mm -hmm. parents. Um, and we all had to learn that's not what this is about. It doesn't mean any parent does anything wrong, you know, or, or has done anything wrong. And it doesn't mean anyone's broken. It's just something that, you know, someone just put in my batteries backwards. Right. Well, and I asked that question because a lot of times teachers look for, you know, excuses as to why dyslexic people aren't doing well and, you know, not speaking English could be one excuse that they had given if that was the case, but um, not. So do you have other siblings? I do. I, I have a brother, um, a younger brother. He's four years younger than me. Um, he also uh, has uh, trouble with reading, but not as much as I do. Uh -huh. uh, and his strength is really in numbers. So uh, he's, a, he's an electrical engineer. Nice. So uh, yeah, very nice. So he's <laughs> like, okay, cool. I could take my switched batteries and apply it to mathematics. So, <laughs> and when yeah. your dyslexia is not as severe, it doesn't hold you back as much as I'm sure you're very much aware of that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what, uh, what advice would you give parents whose kids are struggling and they're not sure what's going on? Honestly, um, like I said, the biggest thing I learned is that this is no one's fault. It, it really isn't. It isn't the parent's fault. It isn't your child's fault. Um, batteries are backwards, you know, or someone's trying to fit in double A and a triple A slot, you know. Um, but be patient. Um, I had to learn patience for myself. And um, my parents weren't very patient for me and with me. Um, when I did my homework, because I just wanted to get through it so fast because I struggled so much before I was diagnosed and even when I was newly diagnosed, I would just rush through it and write really sloppily. And um, my dad would actually hit me in the back of the head and tell me, go redo your homework. Can I read this? You know, it was very harsh. 
don't be harsh, you know, be very sympathetic, have a lot of patience, um, say, can, can I um, do this with you? And one of the things I learned later in life is that there are people on campus that are to give us support. I learned in college that if I needed someone in class with me to help me take notes, that I would have someone with me there taking notes for me. That way I can review them and then take my own notes from that. Mm -hmm. So ask your child's school, like, is there anyone that can sit with my child or any type of services to help take notes? Then they can go over it with them so they can understand. Because even writing notes, you know, you're trying to listen, write everything verbatim because everything's getting crisscrossed in your brain. Patience is key. Ask for services. And just remember, this, this isn't, this doesn't mean you're a bad parent. You know, this doesn't mean that me as the, the child is broken, you know? We all need patience and, and really teach your child patience. For We're going to get very angry, very upset. We're going to throw things against the wall because we're going to be like, why me? And even as we're learning new techniques, we're going to get very angry. Like I, I still get angry. Um, this whole pandemic thing has really thrown off my dyslexia uh, because my anxiety is heightened, my depression so having a lot of forgiveness and encouraging us to have forgiveness within ourselves um, is very important also for our mental health. So that's some advice I would give. Awesome. And so you talked about college. So would you mind sharing, like, um, did you go to community college? Did you go to university? What, what was your journey for, for um, your secondary education? Sure. Um, so I went to a Cypress College, which is a community college in Orange County. Um, then I went to Cal State Long Beach uh, for uh, my BA. I actually have, a two, I have a, a three associates, two bachelors, and one master's. Wow. Um, who would, and that's the thing. Who would have thought a kid with dyslexia would have all of these degrees? So don't feel like this is the end of the world. I'm not going to be able to do anything. I work in public health. Um, I work in research and data. I actually have to write systemic and policy recommendation reports. So my entire career evolves around reading and writing. So we can overcome this and learn to adapt so that way we are successful in life. And what really helped me in my college career was taking advantage of those services, you know, um, even though um, it classified me as disabled, you know, when, when it comes to reading, yeah, I, I, it took me a long time to admit I am disabled when it comes to, you know, reading and writing and listening to things. But by taking advantage of those services, it really propelled me forward, having someone in class with me, taking notes, going over them, you know, having study tutors, going to all of the study times I could go to really helped me, uh, you know, and, and what's even more great is when I went to those additional study groups and tutors, it wasn't just other students with learning disabilities that were there, but even general education students that were just having a hard time in general, you know, were going to these study groups and everything. So people that you wouldn't even think like, oh my gosh, I'm such a nerd if I have to go there or, you know, I'm a disappointment. No, people from all walks of life and all socioeconomic status backgrounds attend these study groups. Um, 
I really recommend take advantage of them and work with your uh, disabled student services coordinator uh, because they will really help you. And what I really loved was that there were some tests and quizzes where I knew that I could say, I don't need extra time to take these. Like I got this and I understand it. And then there was others that I was like, you know what? I'm really struggling this time around. I need the extra time for these tests or quizzes or the extra time to turn in my homework. And they help you work with your professor to give you those extra times, you know? So uh, I, I really recommend take advantage of everything you can while in college. Well, and I'd like to add, um, when you go through the dis disability services, you need to request it before you need it. Because a lot of times people will wait until they start failing class and they can't fix what's already happened. So the best thing is to go in at the beginning of your school year um, and get set up with the, with the disability services. And if you don't need them, don't use them, but to have them in place. Yeah, absolutely. That That's literally during orientation time, go straight to disability services. So that's, that's what I did. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, yeah. Well, now tell us, you, you, you mentioned it a little bit, but what do you do for a living? Uh, sure. So I have my master's in public health and um, I work for the state of California directing and overseeing LGBTQ healthcare and policy and legal implementation. So I conduct a lot of trainings um, across the state with Department of Managed Healthcare, Office of AIDS, Office of Health Equity, California Department of Public Health, as well as the university and hospital system on uh, what laws are uh, available to uh, protect and, um, and uh, uh, influence LGBTQ healthcare. So um, I do a lot of trainings. I do a lot of research with uh, UC San Francisco. I also do a lot of research with UCLA and National Institute of Health. And uh, with the research and the studies that I put out across California, including in rural parts of California, not just San Francisco, LA, and Orange County, but also, you know, Butte County, Siskiyou, and everything, um, I'm able to write policy and systemic recommendations uh, to our uh, legislators, so that way uh, they can uh, propose new laws or policies to implement to make sure that we have access to the healthcare that we need. So when you're writing these I mean, you're, you're writing legal terms. I mean, you're, it's not just simplistic writing. It's intense. Did they know you were dyslexic when you were hired on? Or at what point did you share this with your employer? Yeah, so I was actually honest up front. Um, I, during my interview, um, when they asked, you know, uh, what are some weaknesses that you have? <laughs> you know, because uh, every employer asks that. And that's when we cringe, like, ah. Um, but I was very honest. I said, you know what? I have dyslexia. Um, I struggle, but I have a system in place that helps me succeed. And what I would need from you as my employer is to understand that I might need extra time reading or writing something, uh, which means I might work longer hours or work through a lunch break, especially if I'm on a deadline. 
Um, and I cannot read data or reports off of a computer screen. I need to print out everything that I need to read and understand. Um, so that way um, I can do my job most effectively. So printing costs might go up, but in return, you know you're gonna get a dedicated employee who knows what they're doing. And if you look at my CV and resume, you can see that I'm highly qualified and actually um, uh, highly uh, sought out, you know, in our field. And they were very much like, you know what, that's something we can work with. You know, we have high printing costs already. Let's, you know, a couple more dollars, you know. Um, and yeah, we would love to work with you, you know, and make sure that we do set you up to succeed, you know, as you're reading reports or writing. Um, so my first year, at my job, um, my boss worked very closely with me. Um, she would read um, draft reports that I would write, you know, and we would go over it together and everything. And she would point out things that I wasn't able to see because, you know, we're just so much in our head that we, we, you know, we don't see what's in front of our face. But having someone from the outside look at it um, really helps you, like, see, like, I missed that. I can't believe I did that, you know? And I've been at my job now for three and a half years, and um, I still have my boss read my jobs and even my team. You know, I'm a manager. I have a complete team underneath me, and they're appreciative of the fact that I'm up front with them and let them know, like, I'm not perfect, and I need your assistance. I need you to help me. And because of that, and because I let them um, assist me in these things, I'm very transparent. We have a really great working relationship where um, no one has like this authoritative, authoritative um, attitude, but it's very much very team-centered and team-centric, um, which really makes for a great uh, working environment. Um, so that's one thing I think my employees underneath me appreciate is the fact that I am transparent and I'm like, can you read and make sure I didn't make any mistakes? <laughs> That's awesome. I do that all the time too, because I find that I'll, I'll write a word and it's the first letter of the word that I mean, but it's a different word and spell check doesn't catch it because I spelled the word correctly. It was just completely the wrong word. So yeah, I ask my assistants to check that as well. That's, that's awesome that you know that you feel comfortable and confident to be able to, to do that with your staff. So um, what advice would you give someone who is an adult looking for a job um, with dyslexia or, or any similar learning difference? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the biggest thing I would say is for you to not only review your resume or CV, but have someone else review it as well. Um, I've accidentally sent my CV to conferences um, where, like you said, you know, you mean one thing and you put in something else or it doesn't, some of the words cross and I'm like, I can't believe I did that. Uh, and then you have to like, I'm so sorry, I sent you the wrong one. That was a draft, here's the actual one. So before you send anything out, um, when it comes to applying, um, have someone else review it you know, um, and just double check it. Um, the other thing I would recommend is have someone practice with you going through the interview process um, and everything to help you practice what to say. 
um, I tend to cross my words a lot, or sometimes I'll say a sentence backwards um, because I even have, you know, verbal uh, dyslexia. And um, practicing first really does help me. So that way, I'm not coming across in my interview going, um, well, and they don't see me physically trying to formulate my words. But because I practice so much, I come across as more confident. And because I am coming across as more confident and because um, I've had other people review my resume, um, when they do come to that section of, you know, what is your weakness, I'm very confident in saying I have dyslexia, but you're gaining an amazing employee out of this. And this is what I would need from you as my employer to assist me in making sure that I succeed. Because one thing I want to give to you is 110% at all times. And they really do appreciate that. They really that, do. Awesome. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. Were you, did you have more? No, no, that, that was it. That was it. Those, those are steps that I take. Um, and then other friends um, that uh, apply for jobs that I know struggle. Um, those are um, pointers I give to them. Well, that, that's awesome advice. I want to play this uh, recording for my sons <laughs> so that they can, you know, hear that from someone other than mom um, because, you know, kids don't always want to listen to their parents. Well, is there anything else that you would like to add? Anything you'd like non-dyslexic people to know about your experience being dyslexic, perhaps? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say don't coddle us. Um, that's something my job tried to do in the beginning as well, was coddle me and constantly check on me. Um, as long as I have an open line of communication, that's the most important thing, you know? Um, you, you know, having that open line of communication so we can say like, hey, I'm really struggling today and this is what's going on. I'm not getting as much done. Uh, but at the same time, don't hover. Um, and also... Be open and willing when you hear in job interviews or with employees or even family members when they say I'm dyslexic, you know, and ask them, what can I do to assist you? You know, what is it that you need from me? Don't assume and jump in. Well, I'm just going to jump in and do X, Y, Z, because this is what I think you need when that might not be what we need, you know, and we need to share that with you. Um, so that would be the most important thing. And um, like I said, if your family, if your parents, this is no one's fault. No one's broken, you know. And if, you, if any family member has the fear of, like, what's going to happen to my kid because life is going to be a little bit harder for them because of this diagnosis, yeah, we do have to put in more work. But look at me. I have multiple degrees, and I work for the state giving systemic and policy recommendations. We are going to succeed. You know, no matter what, you know, it, it just takes more work on our end. But with your support behind it, elevating us and cheering us on and saying, good job. And the days that we're crying because we're so frustrated, just hugging us and saying, do you want me to get you a milkshake from Jack in the Box? And I say, yes, please get me a milkshake from Jack in the Box. Just simple things like that mean the world, you know. Um, don't try to fix anything, you know, just be there and listen. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Danny. I really appreciate you talking to us today. This has just been fantastic. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah.
Anytime. <laughs> <laughs>